Welcome to the Out of the Box Podcast. I am your host, Jay Got Soul. This is season three, episode 11, titled Whatever Happened to Dinner. This show is sponsored by Urban Financial Literacy. Urban Financial Literacy specializes in building, protecting, and preserving your wealth. If you or your family need life insurance, retirement planning, credit repair, mortgage protection, trust, and estate planning, reach out to Urban Financial Literacy to book a consultation. Also, be sure to visit my website at jgotsoul.com to check out what we have to offer. We have an online website designed to encourage, challenge, and remind you that Black Money Matters act like it. We have our merchandise available for sale, so please Please take notice of what we have on our website and also notice that the price went up. As I continue to share this brand with the community, I recognize one common theme. This brand is too valuable to shortchange ourselves. With that said, the price is the price. So I no longer will respond to those. It's too expensive folks um, because they're quick to pay everybody else, all the big names for the same type of quality. So we're growing and black money matters, so act like it. And lastly, if you're in need of practical budgeting tools, check out our services and book a free consultation today. We believe that a practical there are practical steps to take, uh, to take toward building wealth. We will help you on that journey, so engage with the brand and tap in with us. All right, so a special thank you to those of you that are that are listening. And I would like to ask you all to share this broadcast so we can reach as many people as possible. But you guys know how we get started. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the time that we have in the studio. Thank you for the the opportunity to just be able to share and also for allowing us to get here safely. Uh, God, we just ask that whatever we're talking about here can touch somebody in a positive way. And we just want to thank you again for all your protection. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all. So today we have Sydney Griffin in the studio. Sydney and I go way back to high school. Sydney is a screenwriter, film director, and the CEO of Griffin Pictures Production Company. Sydney released his latest movie titled Whatever Happened to Dinner, and I'm excited to get into today's conversation. So out of the box family, help me welcome Sydney Griffin to the studio. Hey, what's going on, family? How y'all doing? Yes, yes. All right, Sid. So um let the we're gonna let the people get you get to know you a little bit so um share where are you from and where did you grow up all right well um as you guys know my name is sydney griffin i went to school with jay and um i was i was actually born in uh, the city of gardena at gardena memorial hospital 1987 and um, um from there i've lived my entire life in the city of hawthorne off of uh off of cerise and um 
when I was 28, I'm proud to say that I bought my first house on the same block. So that that was definitely a blessing. So I I I, I never left. Yeah. You know, Hawthorne, Hawthorne, California, all day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's <laughs> dope. Um, okay, so who is Sydney Griffin? Like, let them know. You know how they can get to know you a little bit better. Who is Sydney Griffin? Sydney. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm gonna do my best to answer that question. I mean, at, at the at the end of the day, I'm I'm just like anybody else. Mm. I think um, the more I grew, and the more I'm starting to uh, focus uh, more of my time and energy on writing and movie uh, movie production, I'm starting to develop. Like I, I can guarantee you, I'm starting to develop uh, a lot more discipline. Mm. And uh, a lot more determination, a lot more ambition. So I guess you could say at my core, those are things that I'm really starting to exemplify. Mm -hmm. And as I started down that path, you know, I noticed like you, you, you know how life goes. You, right. you lose friends, you pick some up along the way. But I'm, I'm starting to see kind of like how a lot of people that I used to hang out with, like we kind of drifting apart. Mm -hmm. But um, just back to your question, who who is Sidney Griffin? I mean hard worker yeah <laughs> hard work yeah. i've i mean obviously like I've, I've gone through personal issues in my life that i'm really not gonna get into but um one thing i've come to realize is um you don't have a lot of time on this planet man mm -hmm. you gotta make you, you really gotta make each day count because yeah. at the end of the day all you get is today right so just developing these philosophies over the years you know and mm -hmm. just working toward my craft um doing whatever it takes just to get to that point like i'm i'm developing and still learning and still finding out who sydney griffin is but as of right now just goal oriented driven um it's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world right now so i always try to have a positive vibe i always say it, it, it is much easier when you see somebody walking down the street and make eye contact it, it's much easier to smile and simply say how was your day than it is to just give a mean stare at somebody because right. now that's toxic energy that you releasing in today's world but it's it's, it's just like a, a simple smile and a simple hey how's it going you, you'd be surprised how many people uh appreciate that and need that in their life so i mean these are some of the tools that i'm slowly trying to put into my bag of who is sydney griffin okay. just trying to trying to grow as a person you know but i'm yeah. I'm, I'm not done yet this yeah. this is where i'm at so I, I, yeah i hope i answered it nah, as best as i could and and I love I love that you brought it to, you know, about how life is short, because, you know, um, I, I lost my niece. I don't want to say I lost my niece transitioned. Uh, it's about to be a year, August 5th. Mm. And so, you know, when you think she was one years old, mind you. Oh. So when you think about time not being like we don't have a lot of time here, you know, it's kind of like, OK, well, what am I going to do with the time that I do? have? Yeah. You know, and how am I going to represent those people that did go before me, you know, and, and still be a, the best person that I possibly can be? Because a lot of people, when they go through grief, they go through, down a negative spiral. Oh, yeah. You know, so when you said that, I was like, yeah, that's that's real. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, we don't have a lot of time. But who we become and who you've become since I've known you in high school, you know, I can see like you've you've grown a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm gonna be smiling a lot because I mean, like, I, I remember Jay from high school, and I'm just like, now she's doing her thing on the radio. I was listening to the advertisements. I was like, oh, okay. We, 
feel like I'm in like like big boy in the morning hey, or something, man. You hey. man, feel like you've been doing this your whole life. So I'm just like, dope. I can't believe, yeah, just to sit here with you. I'm like, yeah. you're one of my one of my oldest friends. Like we went, like I said, we go we go back to high school. So just to just to see this, you know, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm I hit the big time right now. <laughs> that, I appreciate that, and it's dope because that was the next question I was gonna ask. Like, I want to talk about how we met. You know, like our introduction into building a relationship you know like yeah. what do you remember about that high school and all that good stuff we don't oh. have to tell details because you know we was yeah i'm <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm definitely gonna omit names not in a bad way just for yeah. people's privacy but in, in all honesty i don't think we actually officially had like a hey how you doing my name is sydney right. uj nice to meet you we just kind of we flocked together in like the same groups you know mm-hmm. and it's almost like like you had your peoples and like I, I used to hang out with you know with, with all of my peoples and like we were just always around each other mm-hmm. but i don't think we actually hung out until it, it it had to be like the summer that i graduated okay which yeah. was in 2005 and right. then it, it, it it's funny because it's almost like psychologically now that school is done all of the people that I was friends with, we got way closer. Mm-hmm. And I even started making contact. This is a long time ago, but I even started making contact with people that I didn't uh, hang out with or I didn't talk to, you know? Yeah. Obviously, like, you go through the yearbook, somebody puts their number down, and I'm just like, okay, let me call you and see what you about. And I'm just yeah. like, you're you're this person? Yeah. You know? So a lot of these uh, relationships didn't start to form until that, uh, until that summer. Okay. of 2005 mm-hmm. where we got tighter and i think the reason why we did that is because uh like psychologically school is over yeah you know so yeah. it's like you kind of want to you, you want to hold on to that right. but even when we were hanging out it wasn't really like obviously we were in groups drinking doing what to do mm-hmm. and it's like we really weren't that we, we really weren't that type but like we it's like we knew of one another yeah. but it wasn't really like a personal type of thing right. you know it was always like like never anything on a one-on-one basis right. it was just always like party yeah, yeah it groups. was always like party group oh there's jay For okay sure. you know For so sure. that's, that's that's pretty much uh yeah, that, that, that's pretty much what I remember. Good times, man. I wish I could go back. We had Simpl- a lot of good yeah. times. We had a lot of good times. Simple times. And it was, it was like, I always remembered you were a lot like me. And I think that's why I kind of like, I always thought of you as like a cool dude. Because I'm like, you're just as introverted as I am. Mm. You know, I was very introverted and I, I had the same group of friends. So I'm like, okay, well, we can all be introverted together. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we did introverted hangouts. Yeah, and I know you were you were really into like the basketball thing exactly. too. I'll be on your uh, Instagram all the time. I see the <laughs> stuff that you're doing working at the school. Yes, yeah. is yeah. Yeah. Really into basketball. Beautiful thing. And you're uh you're you're a coach yeah. at the at Sarah, yeah, right? JV coach. Yeah. That yeah. that that's really crazy when people who are like students and then they go back and become uh like teachers and coaches because it's always like that it's that full circle it narration is. you know it's like the student becoming the teacher right that that not not to interview you but that that has to be very surreal like how do you how do you feel about that you know before before i decided that i would go back and coach i was not interested in coaching why, why not i had a the, my relationship to the game kind of like got a little spoiled um based Mm -hmm. on certain experiences that i had and so i was like nah i'm gonna stay away from the basketball world but 
it was who asked me to come and be the coach um my goddad and he's the head coach as well and so i was like okay i'll try it out but then once you get into it it's like you can't turn your back on these kids this is the next generation <laughs> you know so um i just kind of decided that I'm gonna just give it, give it the energy that I could, and now I'm like, now it's full circle, year three. Okay. Now it's full circle where it's like, okay, I understand the assignment. Okay. You know, so now I'm just kind of like more so getting into it, but I appreciate you bringing that up because I would, I probably would have kept this from the audience. So. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> nah, <laughs> and it's not even a thing. It's not even a thing to where it's like, nah, I don't want y'all to know. Uh huh. It's just like for me, I'm very. I'm very protective of the things that I do because okay. I've had a lot of people tell me what I can and cannot do and I don't want them to know what I do so they don't have the ability to tell me I can and cannot do it. That's okay. kind of like a, a I love approach. when people I love when people tell me what I can't do. That is like my motivation to prove you wrong mm -hmm. is like man that, that that that's the fire inside me, man. But yeah. the reason why the reason why I like what you did is because I've I've always uh thought about um after I do do the whole directing thing, if I ever get tired of doing the directing thing, I definitely, as like a retired, like once I get to retirement age, mm -hmm. I definitely want to go back to Long Beach State and teach screenwriting. Because mm -hmm. uh, the, the main reason for that is, I mean, my teachers were cool. They did what they, they did the best that they could. Mm -hmm. But at, at the end of the day, there was... I feel like my school did not start until I graduated college Ooh, and just yeah. reading every book on screenwriting that I could find. Like there's a great book called by Sid Fields called Screenwriter, just reading stuff like that mm -hmm. and a lot of things on YouTube. And I'm just like, how come they didn't tell me this stuff? Like yeah. Yeah. when I, when I was in school, you know, it just yeah. seemed like the whole time they were just, uh, they were out here kind of tooting their own horn and they kind of just glossed over like, uh, <laughs> They they kind of just glossed over what they were supposed to be uh what they were supposed to be teaching us. So like, on my journey of just learning how to write, learning how to direct, if I do get into that age of retirement and I feel that um, I'm really not active as a movie director, that's something I definitely want to do. I want to go back and I want to teach screenwriting. And I actually think um, I think Spike Lee teaches at NYU. Okay. So that's not. I mean, like it's not. Um. It's, it's not something so strange for like a movie right. director to do that you know right okay dope all right you guys so we're gonna take our first break uh we're going to listen to i need my money by charlie burrell we'll be right back with sydney griffin stay tuned
podcast season three episode 11 today we are in studio with sydney griffin and we're gonna talk a little bit about when did you begin writing uh screenwriting oh man so uh this is kind of a long question but uh i, I was always I, I probably shouldn't say i was a well yeah yeah i'm gonna say it like i I just love writing i always love to tell stories and i love to write even this goes back to like elementary school Mm. i distinctly remember like my fourth grade teacher like i wrote like a short story about santa claus or something it was during christmas or whatever and she she looked at this and she she kind of looked at me because because uh, <laughs> like i mean like I, I grew up in a very urban area and like th- these kids they do the best that they can but i guess like the way i wrote and she was just like she was like you're a really good writer and she ended up giving me an a in the, in the class and i guess because um like stories were always around mm-hmm. and um I guess I distinctly remember, I guess like I took various phrases from a combinations of stories that I loved like as a kid and I incorporated a lot of that stuff in my story. And when she read that, I guess it made me sound much more mature than like a, a regular fourth grader. Okay. And the, the crazy thing about it though is like, my mom, she was a, she was a nurse and for her, it wasn't really about writing she wanted to and she she did the best that she could but for her it was more like i want i'm a nurse so i want you to be a doctor and i want you to be good Uh, at math and she talks about like you know my my mom she she grew up in 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 oklahoma during Mm -hmm. a very racist time of uh of uh living in oklahoma and she talks about how like uh she uh like like she she talks about how like she deserved to get A's in like algebra and she had to fight tooth and nail for them to give her A's and all of that oh, stuff. Okay. So for some reason and like this is where my mom comes from, but like math was very uh, important to her and uh, medical the medical practice was very important to her. And the reason why I bring that up is because all of the signs that pointed to me being a writer like they were they were there my teacher was saying hey you should probably you, you should probably work with him on writing mm-hmm. but it wasn't really the direction that she wanted to take me down okay. so as a result she wanted me to be more focused on uh math which is why when i got to sarah i was taking i think i was taking like geometry in like freshman year and people were just like oh you're like a genius in math i'm like uh <laughs> no, 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 let's not go that far right. you know but it, it finally and then on top of that like i started skating really heavy and i skated from the ages of 13 to a probably about 24 like i was really big into skating so during that time i didn't write at all okay. you know and i was just focused on uh school work focused on math and all of that stuff but it, it it got to a point where i was like i had to sit my mom down and i'm like you know what i see what you're trying to do but your dreams aren't my dreams and you have to you, you have to respect you have to respect my uh my, my life and my decisions you know mm-hmm. but um actually in uh high school I struggled through uh, through writing, which is crazy because like in, in, in elementary school, middle school, I was good. In high school, I struggled through writing just because I was more focused on, like I wasn't really focused on academics. Skating for me was where I put like all of my discipline and all of that stuff. And when I got to Long Beach State, I actually had to end up taking a remedial writing course. Okay. And basically w- one thing that course uh, taught me was uh structure Mm. once i understood structure 
I remember I wrote a paper and it seemed like everything came back to me. Like I was taking this remedial writing course in uh, Long Beach State and I turned that into my teacher. It was kind of like, um, well, you're here and let's see where you're at. So he was like, I'm not going to give you no, no information. Let's just see where you guys are at. Then I can work with you individually. Mm -hmm. Once again, like he read the paper and then he gave me a little bit of notes and I was just like, oh, structure, that, that, that makes sense. And then once I structured it, he looked at me and he was like, are you supposed to be taking this class? Mm, just cause okay. like, yeah, like, like the way you open up and like the way I opened up and the way I gave all, uh, the way I wrote like metaphors and things like that. It's just like, it was, it, it was definitely there that I had, uh, like, like that I had like, uh, like I wasn't supposed to be there, you, okay. you know? So it seems like you kind of got back to yeah. the natural writing yeah. that you, you're used to. Yeah. But you took a break, so it was kind of like you had to get your legs back up under you. Yeah, but also, like, to, when to jump from, like, elementary. Like, elementary school isn't, uh, it's not Dostoevsky, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it, it's like during that hiatus where i wasn't really focused on writing like i didn't know about structure i didn't okay. know about themes right. i didn't know about character archetypes and okay. stuff like that you know so it it was like like i said my passion for writing was there but it wasn't as developed if it had been developed along the uh, along the way yeah so that wasn't that wasn't screenwriting that was just regular writing okay the skating is what drew me to being uh, into movies. That's interesting. And the crate, because I mean, like we skate, we, which means we do a lot of. W what you do is you do a lot of filming. Mm -hmm. You film your tricks. You edit them. You edit them to music. It's kind of like music videos okay. to, Got you. to 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 skate tricks. You know. So like mm -hmm. I was always looking at my friends uh, when it comes to what they were filming and how to edit. I actually, when I went to Long Beach State and I majored in film, I wanted to be an editor. And the reason for that is because I actually thought I was too stupid to be a director. Mm. Like, yeah, bit, bit, yeah. Mm. That, that, that was something that I had to, that was something that I had to overcome. So, and a lot of the people don't realize that uh, Long Beach State, that's a, the film school program, that's an impacted major. So I had to construct a portfolio. I had to submit that and they had to accept me. The first year, I did not get in okay. so I was just like yeah that makes sense like I'm I'm an idiot so like mm -hmm. I may as I, I can see why they they're probably not gonna let me in and that was very depressing so what I just did was I went to the teachers and I was just like I'm not in the film program yet is it any way that I can just um can I just help out stand in the corner and hold a light or hold ho hold a flag or something just to see what these kids are going through and they were just they were they were more than welcoming actually they needed they needed extra people to 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 help on the the various short films mm -hmm. there's this 336 class where you actually make films and you kind of you break up into a group of five people and you rotate through different positions and they needed a sixth person to be something called a script supervisor. Mm -hmm. What this person does is they take pictures and they watch for continuity. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, seen uh, movies where, like, I'll cut to you and you, it'll be a glass on your table and the, the, it, the glass will be filled with water. And then they cut back to me, and then they cut back to you, and the water the water is empty. Okay. You know, so yeah. continuity, uh, eye lines, things like that. So once I uh, found out about this per uh, this this position of script supervisor, that's what I wanted to get into. Mm. 
But then once I got into uh, once I actually got on set and I saw these kids work, I thought, well, well damn, like I, I have stories better than this. I put them I, I put them up on like this pedestal, yeah. you, you know, yeah. that that was unattainable for me. And I'm always that person. Like I, I, I'm the type of person who really believes if I, I like I'm learning something, but the world already knew it before. So okay. like I, I feel like I'm constantly playing catch up, you know. Mm. So like I put the idea of being a movie director on this unattainable platform. But once I actually got into these groups and I saw the stuff that these guys were making, I mean, it, it cheap, cheap, uh, cheap, cheap stuff that deals with superheroes and a lot of Harry Potter crap <laughs> and stuff that really didn't have any heart in it, you know. Yeah. Just in all honesty, Long Beach State Film School was kind of like a uh it was kind of like a it was it's like a high school film school see this is why this is why i i've been really intentional about how i communicate with you about mm -hmm. what you think about yourself because you know how we had the conversation at the uh green pines anniversary and you're yeah. like i'm like yo you out here doing it like you're really you're really a director and you were a screenwriter like i'm trying yeah and it's like that is a part of that idea that i'm i'm too stupid yeah to be and it's like no you've never been stupid <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? like you've actually been very talented but because that wasn't something that you were encouraged to do yeah then you you dis you discounted yourself oh yeah and so you know like i'm i'm always gonna be that person that's gonna be like look you're not trying to do anything you're doing it yeah like we talk about you getting your film what what's whatever happened to dinner into a film festival yeah i was watching your post and you posted that you gotta know they sent you a no first yeah and then you a lot a lot of no's a lot of no's <laughs> right but then from you, multiple film festivals you finally got the yes yeah right and so that's that's solidifies the fact that you do have the talent and you are not stupid and it's not above you like you are really doing what you supposed to be doing yeah, it's it's definitely a a step by step process. But uh, anyway, go, going back to uh, just me kind of just standing in the corner and watching how movies get made mm -hmm. at Long Beach State. Like I said, a lot of stuff that they were filming wasn't really that good, and I thought, well, I'm I'm a good writer. Why don't I just take a crack at this stuff? Mm -hmm. And the stuff that I wrote, obviously, it wasn't it wasn't where I'm at now. But that's kind of what. Uh, once I got that idea that I could be a director, then roller uh, rollerblading stopped, and all of my passion and discipline for writing movies kind of just went in. It, it went in that direction, and I've been doing that. I've been doing that ever since. Dope, dope. Okay, so we're gonna take our second break, um, and we're when we come back, we're gonna talk about more about the role of a director, and then we want to get into the movie okay. itself. What what created that movie? So. We're going to take this break right now. We're going to listen to Now by Brittany Jackson. So stay tuned.
Put a smile on my face Gotta give me just what I want Tell me that you would never say no to me I need all you got and more Now, right now you're saving me And making me crazy At the same time You are tuned in to the Out of the Box Podcast, Season 3, Episode 11. In case you're just joining us, we are in studio with Sydney Griffin. All right, and so now we want to talk a little bit about the movie, uh, Whatever Happened to Dinner. What's the storyline? Like, what made you write this movie? <laughs> um, the story is very different from the first couple drafts. At the at, at its core, I just wanted to show like a stay-at-home mom and just show how hard it is for uh, a, a stay-at-home mom to to kind of take care of her family and hold her family together. Because I feel like a lot of pe- uh, women who stay at home and do the cooking and cleaning, they get looked down upon or they don't really get the credit that they deserve. And the funny thing about it is I was talking to my coworkers. I, I work for Southern California Gas Company. They, they know about the movie and all of that stuff. And uh, one of my supervisors brought up the, the idea. He was like, to hire somebody who can cook and clean your house and take care of the kids and, and all of this stuff if you didn't have a person who uh who does that stuff that's like a six-figure income mm. you know mm-hmm. like when you think about like doctor's appointments little league games mm-hmm. and stuff like that and so at, at the at its core if this movie goes out to just like the the, the stay-at-home moms who don't get the recognition that they deserve mm-hmm. but uh th- there's more to it than that too it also shows how um um one of the major themes it shows how families don't really sit down every day at 5 p.m and have dinner in the sense of jay wh- how was school yeah. you, you know yeah. what i'm saying how was work i got that promotion we don't we don't do that when we look back at that uh that leave it to beaver or that lassie lifestyle in like the 1950s where families did that you know that's becoming very um it, it's it's becoming something that we sweep under the rug right. so that that's where um that that's like uh, the theme of the movie at its at its core. And also um, the movie, once you look at the movie, it, it shows how technology is creating sort of a, a dividing line when it comes to communication. Because um, just to give you guys a simple uh, a simple overview of the movie, um, my main character, her name is Wendy, played by the, the wonderful actor. Her name is Camille Calvin. And um she basically is expecting medical results 
and she hasn't told her family yet. She's expecting these results to come at the end of the day. And instead of just sending them a text message or instead of just uh, calling them on the phone, she decides that she wants that family support and that family embrace. So she starts to cook this dinner. She wants to get everybody around the, the, the table so she can uh, so she can break this news to them so she can have uh, so she can have that support. But one thing she's finding is she starts to make dinner and they're like, why are you making dinner? Like, it's not it's not a holiday. Like, you know, so and when she's reaching out to them, trying to talk to them, she can't uh, get their attention long enough because you got one person on a cell phone, one person on a a, a iPad. So it, it really shows how nowadays when you go and talk to people, it's very hard to to communicate with them just because you you have that divide that that technological divide. So that's basically what the movie is about. Deals with themes of uh, um, like that technological divide, what technology is doing to families, and it's also dealing with like that that theme of impending bad news. And obviously, like I've never had a. a um, I've never had a scare with medical conditions or anything, but I've I've definitely been in situations where like expect this and it could be good and bad and like that that emotion, you know, like it it, it transcends. So like I could definitely I could definitely understand where this character was coming from. Also trying to communicate with uh, with people and they're not giving you attention because their attention is on like their cell phone or their technological devices. We all know we've all gone through that. Yeah. So that's uh, those are the main themes as to how this movie came about. Just a, a, a stay at home mom trying to make dinner for her family, trying to connect with people in this technological world and just it's like, yo, yo help. Like I need I need this. I need this support, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. When I seen the trailer, um, I connected with it. Mm. Um, and the reason why I connected with it was because I was that kid that asked my grandmother, like, why we don't sit together at the table and have dinner? <laughs> <laughs> right? What did she say? She just tried to make it happen. Yeah. But again we're not used to it so you got people who's like man can i can i go sit at the couch and watch tv yep. or can i go in the other room and eat my dinner like yeah just it's yeah. just uncomfortable just bring it to me in my room right like that's how that's how it is and so when i seen the trailer i'm like yo this is crazy and then now it brings up the the technological age so yeah it, it makes it it's very modern but um can you tell us about like what what role did you play in creating a movie you're a screenwriter but you're also the director so what does that look like uh so obviously as a director i think david fincher one of my favorite directors he's the director of fight club uh the director of seven social network things like this but uh he always says you want to try to control as much as you possibly can because if somebody in your group of people messes up it's gonna fall on you Mm -hmm. people look at a movie and they just see a bad movie they don't look and say hey they might say an actor is uh, the performance is bad but they don't look and say hey that the the lighting scheme is off Mm -hmm. they don't look and say hey your production design looks like crap Mm -hmm. they just say it's a bad movie so anything um basically when it comes to being a movie director I kind of look at it like building a house. You're kind of like the the contractor that oversees various groups. And uh, Quentin Tarantino, he kind of said it best. He was like, you're really not, as a director, you're not supposed to be an expert at the camera. That's what the cameraman is for. Uh. You're not really supposed to be an expert when it comes to acting. 
these are professionals in their craft, but you have to have that vision to be able to kind of guide their direction. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's almost like um like uh, I heard on the Internet where they say like a, a, a person sailing a boat, if you don't know what direction you're supposed to sail, no, no wind is favorable to you. You know, mm-hmm. you definitely have to know uh, you, you have to know what you want and going down that path these uh th- these various professionals that they can uh once you get them far enough then they that they can it, it's amazing to to watch them work on like their their craft and then they give you what you want once you already once you already know but um I'm a little different because I'm a writer director as well there's a lot of directors out here that do not write their own movies okay and I've always had a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, David Fincher hasn't been credited for writing his own movies, but at the end of the day, he's very heavy in the writing process. Okay. So it could have a lot of stuff like that going on. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as like that, that, that title of writer and director, um, it was a famous director. His name was Akira Kurosawa, Japanese director. Um, and he basically said, movies cost millions of dollars to make. But writing is damn near free. Mm. All you need is a pencil and paper when it comes to writing. Mm-hmm. So obviously, since it's more efficient for me to write and I love writing so much, I took to it while I was saving up to um, while I was saving up the funds in order to um, in order to, to, to fund this movie. For those of you guys that don't know, it took me about seven years to to save up wow. to, to to shoot this movie. Mm. And the script was already done. That's important to note. Yeah. Yeah. And um, obviously it took a long time, but I needed that time because I was able to go back and I was able to fine tune and kind of get the script mm-hmm. as tight as I needed it to get very, um, very cause and effect. Mm-hmm. If you watch this movie, everything happens for a reason and everything develops um, from beginning, middle to end. And I'm very proud of that. And the reason why I was able to do that is because of the time that I had. This is my first movie that I've ever written. And just that time to go back and write and rewrite mm-hmm. that definitely, um, that definitely helped the movie. And on top of that, like, like I said, like, like I, I, I love writing. So at the end of the day, um, being a good director, if I can give anybody any advice, so I graduated college in 2013 and um, just from 2013 up until now, like my schedule is read scripts, write scripts, watch movies mm. and not just watch movies, watch in, in all honesty, I'd probably say. What, what, watch good movies <laughs> and I know and obviously that that word good is subjective. You have to define what you think a good movie is but when something captivates your emotions watch it until you know every frame of that movie you know that that that's the best thing that i can say just um one thing that i often do is i watch movies with the sound off at a lot of times um, a a lot of times just because a movie at the at its core form it's about picture storytelling Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get that mixed up with uh, with TV. Movies and television are very different. Movies were around long before television. Mm-hmm. And it's more about picture storytelling, visual storytelling. So if you can figure out how to frame a character in a scene in order to invoke a certain emotion, that's, that's kind of like where the mastery of film um, 
uh, of film comes into play and there is no finish line like it's it's literally the journey so it's just more so about going down that um going down that road and getting into that getting into that role of just submerging yourself in in cinematic culture but um like i said like it, it doesn't stop like you literally have to write you have to read and you have to watch these movies over and over again. Like okay. that—that's basically all I do. If somebody were to text me, if I and I'm at home, what am I doing? I'm probably watching a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, if you text me, what am I doing? I'm probably reading a script. Like that's what—that's all of my free time. Okay. So when when did you? You said seven years. It took you seven years to yeah. to actually produce it. So when did you um start submitting to the film festivals? Uh, I started submitting to film festivals. I think about a year ago. Okay. Yeah, I submitted to Sundance. That was the first one. <laughs> and yeah, don't 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 submit to Sundance. <laughs> nah, yeah, I, I was I wasn't. No, Sundance is great, but I, I wasn't there. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, it was nah. premature. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, don't, don't don't do that. Okay. It's like <laughs> Sundance is crazy. I have heard uh, sometimes about uh, the the movies that are around. Uh, 100k and they go to Sundance and they're just amazing directors and amazing you know they're just amazing but most Sundance movies are coming at you with a million plus budget already it's like I can't touch a million dollars you're like are are you kidding me and the reason the, the thing that I don't like about this industry is it's very tip of the iceberg you only see what's on the surface but when you look at these movies that get into Sundance you have no idea how they uh, how they did most some of the networking mm-hmm. you have no idea who's behind these uh, projects a lot of times when you see these movies that uh, are brought up by first and second time directors and they're just it, it seems like they're knocking it out the park when you look at like their producers and stuff like that it's like these people are that they, they work with seasoned producers okay. seasoned people you right. know so it's not like it's really not like they that they came out of nowhere okay y- you know so it's safe to say that you're independent yeah, okay. as of as of right now, okay. like I'm still uh, I'm still trying to expand my network, yeah. you know. But you're doing it, so yeah, that's that's a proud that's something to be proud of. Yeah. All right, you guys. So we're gonna take our final break. Uh, this last song is called "Eleven Fifty Nine by Kaylon Hallman. Stay tuned. Curious to know who you are. Lost it in a bad time Bad time gave me my time My time desired peace of mind Headed over hills for you Got the helicopter for you All the things I did for you Oh yeah, I could have been patient If I took things slow, maybe we could have made it If I go back in time, I would have saved it could have been better It could have been better Now I'm only better It could have been better Better, better, better I think I'm gonna ride by myself to the next one Came to peace with my past, now I've learned a new lesson Flexing, that be you on the ground when I see you. Stressing, see you with your friends on my nose feet. Trying to cover up, but you can't see. 
I see you, girl. I should have realized what you couldn't get but take from me. And I've been having one or two conversations. Time to hit the switch up, moving locations. Could have been better. It could have been better. Now I'm on the better. It could have been better. Better, babe, better, babe. You are tuned in to the Out of the Box Podcast Season 3, Episode 11. We are in studio with Sydney Griffin. And so, Sydney, um, what would you say your mission behind your writing, your screenwriting and your movies would be? What would be the mission? Uh, so, a mission. One, one thing I will say is um, it's not really mission for me. For me, it's theme. Ah. Before... Before I can put pen to page and start writing, I need to know what is this movie about? Why do people why, why should people care to see it? For example, when you look at whatever happened to dinner, I wanted to show obviously the difference between uh, radio and television cinema is, is something that you wanted to show. I wanted to show how families don't connect the way we used to connect in the past, how dinner is kind of like falling by the wayside and stuff like that. So m- my mission is to show, hopefully it is to show themes that a lot of people that, uh, that, that kind of go unnoticed. Like I want I want people really to look at this movie and be like, you know what? You hit the nail on the head. I felt this. Mm. I felt how like we don't connect. I felt that uh, that um, that that insult when I'm trying to talk to people and they can't get off their uh, they can't get their head out of their technological devices long enough. You know, so it's more about just I want to bring things to light that we experience every day, but we probably haven't. made a conscious effort to to acknowledge right okay so so what kind of adversity did you have to experience just trying to get this movie um filmed oh man like (laughs) (laughs) one thing i can tell you uh to put it nicely money makes people act funny Mm. It, it makes people act funny and i'm not gonna name names but i i will say there are people, you, you know, it's like I open up the budget to to to, to some of my friends, like my my camera, uh, my, my director of photography, my producer. And I, I sit them down and I say, you know what, we're going to do it. We're going to do a movie. Long story short, people changing, people changing. It's like they agree to the stipulations. And then when we get halfway into doing what we do they you start hearing the condescension in their voices and the passive aggression of um oh yeah like i should have gotten more money i'm like dude Mm. i know you should have gotten more money Mm -hmm. if i had more money to pay you then you know you would have more money but it's a it is very frustrating when they make it seem like i got a leprechaun under my bed (laughs) and he's just hoarding all of this pot of gold it's like dude i tell people like it took me six to seven years to save this up just to pay you right you know and you're sitting here looking at me like i have a warner brothers bank account Mm. but um just uh people kind of like people not sticking to their word 
and you trying to find uh, other ways around it. I'm st like I said, I'm still navigating this uh, this movie industry, focusing on networking, and that that is another beast in itself. And it's like people people will insult you, and you can't really say nothing because you never really know. Years down the line, you may need to ask these people for favors. So it's kind of like learn how to smile through your teeth, man. Mm. And it, it's very it, it's very important. Don't dwell on no. So you, you got to understand, I was one of these people that had a fear of hearing no. So the first couple times I, you know, I heard no, it's like, dude, F your couch. You're dead to me. You know, you, you can't do that, man. You can't do that because you might you might need these people down the line. Right, right. And the movie industry is very funny. People will smile to your face and they'll they'll be so polite and they'll say that they're going to look at your stuff and they'll never call you again. Or they steal your idea behind yep. your back or something. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that that's a lot of stuff. You, you, you got to learn how to roll with the punches. You know, it's yeah. just the, 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 the fake attitudes mm -hmm. like this. This industry is so fake. It's like even directors and people behind the scenes are acting their their butts off, you know. Yeah. So just very important to 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 deal with that. And my solution to dealing with that is um, set set up the next thing, you know. So like if this door does close and somebody does say no, mm -hmm. so you don't dwell on it as much, you know. Go over here to the next. Have a couple of uh, have a couple of outcomes, you know, mm -hmm. that that you can that you can pivot into. Yeah. Okay. So what's the most important lesson? You might have actually said it, but what's the most important lesson you learned with just, you know, creating this movie? Patience. Ooh, that's a good one. Patience. Man, <laughs> the first one. time. So I was fresh out of uh, college 2013. Mm -hmm. I sat down at a computer to, to write my first script. So, so basically th this was my first script it took me two years to write this but i sat down at a computer thinking i could bang this out in a couple of weeks just because i read a i read an article it was like the 20 year it was like the 20 year anniversary of john singleton's boys in the hood okay. i actually had the opportunity to meet john before he passed away and he was uh he, he was talking i was like w what are the projects are you doing he was like oh yeah man i got this tv show coming out it's set in south central los angeles and you, you really gonna like it. he was talking about snowfall yeah, you know so like that 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 was cool but anyway like going back to what i was saying i read an article it was like a 20 year anniversary of boys in the hood and he said he sat down and he wrote boys in the hood in three weeks and when you look at what boys in the hood has become to write that in three weeks as a writer you're like this guy's a genius right. like like literally you know mm -hmm. but just learning that uh, it, it's all about perspective you know it's like even though he sat down and put pen to page for three weeks he was 23 when he wrote boys in the hood and i just have to point out he was the youngest director to ever be nominated for best director by the oscars he beat orson wells by uh, two years orson was 25 mm -hmm. when he made citizen kane back in i think 1941 but anyway even though it took him three weeks to write this movie, he had 23 years of experience to draw from. I wasn't looking at that. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's still the long yeah. process. It's, it's still a long process, mm -hmm. you know? So that's why, that's one thing that, that helped him out. But obviously, the, the idea of... Um, like like patience when you rush through something or when you get frustrated because something isn't connecting you got to learn that that's okay that is part of the process yeah. so me learning that i've definitely it, it, it i've definitely lowered my anxiety when uh i get frustrated when stuff isn't going my way mm -hmm. and you, you gotta you, you gotta be 
in the the conscious mind of the organic experience you know when it comes to when it when it comes to that but patience be you got to be patient with this man if you rushing through this you're gonna produce crap nobody gonna connect with you and let me tell you something if you put crap in any art form the audience can see it don't don't trick don't trick your audience mm -hmm. i think rick, rick rubin was just like um uh, he, he said something along the lines of if it's good like if it's good to you it's gonna be good to to other people you know don't put something out where you scratching your head and you're going uh they they might they they might no no we not dude don't don't do that don't do it okay. don't do that all right so before we wrap up um can you share like what platforms people can find you on and any information on how they can see the trailer and what yeah that type of stuff yeah absolutely so um the the you can find me on instagram as sydney q griffin that's uh c y d n e y q g-r-i-f-f-i-n and also you can find the movies instagram that's where i post all of the updates and how it's doing in uh festivals and things like that the the uh, instagram for the movie is whatever happened to dinner um i think it's a question mark in there too it's whatever happened to dinner movie but obviously, if, if you just type in whatever happened to dinner, that'll that'll pull stuff up on Google. Like, I think my uh, my main actor, her name was Camille Calvin. She was nice enough to upload the, the trailer to YouTube mm -hmm. and it's on Vimeo, too. And um, if you could if you could put like some links up yeah. or uh, yeah, on Absolutely. your on your platform. Gotcha. Yeah, that'll be uh, that, that'll be uh, helpful in getting okay. people to, to to find the content. For sure. For sure. So y'all make sure y'all check out his social media and check out the trailer um i think a lot of people is gonna connect with it so yeah y'all check that out but we're gonna wrap up the show y'all so um y'all be sure to check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast outer box podcast can be found on apple Podcasts, google play audible stitcher spotify pandora wherever you like to listen to your podcast subscribe to our show for updates and new episodes this has been an Out of the Box Podcast, Season 3, Episode 11. Thank you to those of you that listen live. We're appreciative, and we hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, a special thank you to our sponsors at Urban Financial Literacy. Also, be sure to check out jgotso.com. Uh, we will be back in studio July 22nd. So y'all st stay tuned. You never know who we're going to have in the studio next. We are out. Awesome. up in the sky keep your glasses high can't nobody kill the vibe cause they're celebrating right now people said they know me but they barely know the story cause nobody did it for me that's why i'm celebrating right now celebrating right now that's why i'm celebrating right now Celebrating right now You should have seen the dreams that I had I knew I wouldn't make it out Couldn't figure out just how before All the big mistakes were my bad But I'm making up for all that now Don't look back, let's keep on moving forward 
hands up in the sky Keep your glasses high Ain't nobody can abide Cause we're celebrating right now People say they know me But they barely know the story Cause nobody did before me That's why we're celebrating right now It's a lot of different ways the story could have been Celebrate right now It's a lot of different ways the story could have been that's why we celebrate right now. It's a lot of different ways the story could have been. Celebrate right now.